You're listening to Becoming Fully Alive, hosted by Church of the Ascension in Knoxville. I'm Billy Daniel. And I'm Caroline Vogel. Today we're talking about the Gospel of Luke, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8. Sounds like we're dancing. A little bit. It's going to be fun. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I bet Luke never expected his gospel to be set to dance music. Oh, I bet it already has. I don't think we're the first. <laughs> I seriously doubt that. Spiritus Knox is a center for spiritual learning and practice. We've set up a monthly offering rhythm for Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. The first Sunday evening is the Spiritus Knox book study. Second Sunday evening of the month is Breathing Under the Oak Trees. Third Sunday evening is our monthly Celtic service. And the fourth Sunday is Tools of Aliveness. So we hope that you'll join us. You can learn more at our website, spiritusnox.com. So before we start talking about our own take on today's scripture passages Mm -hmm. on the section that we're reading, chapters 5 through Mm 8, I wonder... Why, why are we reading it this way? What, what, what do you see as the benefit for people to, to read the scriptures in the way that we're encouraging them to do so? So the design is purposeful. One, good to know. Good to know, right? A little forethought <clears throat> went into it. A little prayer. And one is, I just wanted us to start reading the Bible. You got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere, and 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 the Bible is a good thing for Christians to read. It it totally is, and Episcopalians are not necessarily known for reading their Bible much outside of church. But we're changing that in ascension, big time. So we're reading in four chapter chunks, um, and and the reason we're doing that is, in a lot of ways, as I'm reading along with everyone else. I can't wait for us to do it again and slow down, right? To do just like one chapter at a time. But what I think is so beneficial about reading four chapters at a time is that you read those four chapters, you get a sense of, okay, this is how we're grooving. These are the stories that that appear. But you show up on Sunday mornings to have a conversation and nobody's going to expect you to have four chapters, like forwards and backwards and totally understood, appreciated, inwardly digested like maybe there would be an unspoken expectation of if we were just doing one chapter at a time right so we're just getting in there we're starting to read we're we're just diving in and going oh okay these chapters hold these stories together yeah um in a way and it gives us a place to start from the other emphasis that we're doing is as people read to really just notice, what are you curious about? You know, mm. what what makes you curious about how it speaks into your own life? What makes you curious in terms of, oh, I want to know more about this? Um, and I wonder about, you know, so being actually attentive to, so why does that part make me curious? Right. 
and, and really doing some self-investigation. I wonder why that stood out to me. Right. Of all the things, why does that leap out at me? Yeah. Yeah. There's also this, this part two, I think, of the more I read scripture, the more I want to know Jesus more. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to know him just like story by story, uh, sermon by sermon. I want to know like the wholeness of Jesus, like how all these stories tie together, what the stories reveal about Jesus. I read one of the books we're going to read in Spiritus Knox um, is Sue Monk Kidd's latest novel, mm-hmm. uh, The Book of Longings. And the reason why I picked that book. Uh, One, I think we need a novel in December to lighten things up. (laughs) But another reason is that book, more than any other book that I've read, I don't know, in the last five, ten years, has made me want to know Jesus more. Yeah, who he is. Who he is. Who he is. And so, yeah, so I think there's lots of ways to engage our curiosity when we're reading scripture, curiosity about ourselves, curiosity about Jesus, um, curiosity about everybody else in the stories, and, and curiosity about you know the disciples that were walking alongside. Yeah, so we're we're really cultivating a sense of openness. Yeah, both to ourselves, to God, to each other, and and what the scriptures have to say about all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good way to read scripture. It is. It's a fun way to read scripture, too. Well, I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, me too. All right, so what, what got you curious this week as you were re- rereading 5, 6, 7, 8? So what really jumped out at me today, especially this morning as I was reading back through all the different sections in chapters 5 through 8, is the reason of the heart. Hmm. It keeps popping up in this section, and... And Jesus talks about it with the Pharisees and those who are seeking to be healed. And there's a certain heart rationality that Jesus is naming and highlighting at every turn. And in, in Luke 7:35, there's that wonderful line that just really caught me this morning as I was reading these passages, that wisdom is vindicated by her children. Mm vindicated by her children and and it and it just really caught me and I and I immediately started thinking ooh am I a child of wisdom am I am I vindicating wisdom in the life that I live is is my heart reason is the is the the way that I think through things am I coming at it from a heart of Christ and and in, in so doing, am I vindicating wisdom? And I and I think about all the many ways that yeah, I I have vindicated wisdom and the ways that I've related to people and and my actions. And if I'm being honest, there's just way too many instances that I don't want to name that I have not vindicated wisdom, <laughs> that, that my heart was either a little too hard or just misguided in some way. And, and I was really reflecting on that. And, and if I think back to, you know, we've been talking about 
um, on this podcast, we've been talking about spiritual practices and, and life craft and crafting a life. And I was reflecting this morning on those times when my heart wasn't in the right place, when my, my desires were misaligned. And most every time I can go back and I can think through the days as I was making them during that season. And it wasn't really being attentive to the spiritual practices. Hmm. I, I may have been doing them, but I, may, I was probably not giving my life to them. Hmm. And it, it really made me rethink how this cultivating of life, this, this following Jesus, this way of wisdom, this way of the heart, it, it doesn't just happen automatically. It, it doesn't just come about and, you know, we're, we're in this section and so we've got uh, the Sermon on the Plain. So in Matthew's Gospel, it's the Sermon on the Mountain. In Luke's Gospel, he goes to a flat space, the Sermon on the Plain. But it's the Beatitudes. And and it's all about a, a certain kind of disposition toward the things of the world that that people are cultivating, that Jesus names. You'll be blessed if you are. If you, You'll be blessed if you are this, if you're poor, if you're hungry. And, and their, their spiritual dispositions, you know, it's a poverty of the, of the, um, um, it's, so it's, it's a purity of heart. It's, um, it's a, it's a kind of poverty toward the things of the world. It's a, it's a hunger for the good, the good things of the world. Jesus is naming dispositions and and those dispositions toward the things of the world are how we experience the full aliveness both now and in the age to come. And I, I can't help but reflect on my own life and, and really begin to wonder, oh, when I, when I made that really bad decision, what was I doing? Mm. Not. Not what, was I having a bad day, but how was I ordering my days during that time? And when I go back and I think about it, I can see that, oh, I wasn't getting up in the morning and making that time to be silent, to read, to breathe. I was doing something else that wasn't orienting me toward God. Mm. It was, I was probably, I was rushing through my days. Mm -hmm. I was being a little too hasty. And, and after that buildup of not orienting my life toward God, it was preparing me for not vindicating wisdom. It was preparing me for that bad decision that I made. And I, and I think we, we don't often see our choices in that light. Mm -hmm. We so often think of our choices as something happening in the moment. But what's really happening is the choices I make today 
I already prepared myself to make all week long. And so in that moment when I make the decision, it's already been made by the way I'm living my life. And I don't always see that. Mm. I don't always remember that. I don't always recognize that I'm either vindicating or moving against wisdom, not in that specific moment or act, but in the life that I'm leading all the way up to it. And, and that's the challenge that I was hearing so much in these passages this week as we've been reading them, and especially this morning as I was going back through them. Mm. But reached out and grabbed you this week. So I've been thinking about these women who were accompanying Jesus. So at the top of chapter 8, it says, Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the mm. wife of Herod's Jusa, <laughs> and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. So I'm curious about these women who were traveling alongside Jesus and the Twelve. Mm -hmm. And it's such a fascinating way of describing them I, I mean, we've all thought about Mary Magdalene as being cured of, of evil spirits, seven, I think, or was it nine? Seven. Seven. Um, and, and infirmities, but I'd never thought of all of the women. Mm. Like, I, I'd never stopped to think about, oh, well, I wonder what was going on with Joanna, and I wonder what happened with, with Susanna. Um, they probably only had three demons each. They probably, right, were, were an easy cast out. Um, and, and that they provided for the resources. Like, it's fascinating. Like, the 12 men to get to just kind of come along, but the women, have, you know, have all this baggage that's been cured, and then they have their own resources. Like, so much extra required of women. Um and so, anyway, I've been thinking about them in connection to the story right before this at the end of chapter 7 is the woman with the alabaster jar. Mm. Um, and the way Jesus um, relates to her and helps the disciples um, and the Pharisees, or he tries to help them interpret that experience through the lens of the eyes of his heart mm. is really moving to me. Um, and so I'm just going to read this little part in seven. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. And then later in eight, we have the story of the woman who's hemorrhaging and she just wants to reach out and touch even the cloak of Jesus's garment. Yeah. And he says to her, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Um, there's so many pieces of these stories that, that just utterly fascinate me. And I'm just, I'm going to go down one little rabbit hole and then I'll come back to the hole. But <laughs> the one little rabbit hole I've been thinking about is when Jesus was like, who touched me? And the disciples were like, people are pressing in on you. Yeah. Like, what in the world are you even talking about? And Jesus says, no, power, what is it? Something like power has left me. Yeah. Like, like he knew that there was an intent. He knew there was healing. He knew that power had left him and entered this woman and she was immediately healed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, I'm so curious about Jesus as a teacher of knowing our own beings, of knowing our own um, energy and power and ability to heal. Um, And I'm just, I'm really curious, really curious about that and how the woman, I mean, she was kind of withholding and then she realized, whoa, I'm not getting out of this. And she fesses up. Mm-hmm. It was me. And he says, your faith has made you well. Cause when he could see, he knew that she knew all I have to do is just even touch the hem. Yeah. And, and so here you have, you know, again, the top of chapter eight, Jesus, the twelve. And the women who with, you know, who had been cured of unclean and, and evil spirits and infirmities. And then you have these examples of women who have been cured of, of evil spirits and their infirmities. And yeah, I've just been I've just been sitting with what it would be like to be a woman following Jesus. Um and also thinking about this, um, like I shared in the Bible study last night, of you know these women. They they knew they were in pain, mm-hmm. and they approached Jesus. They neither one of them. They both go to yeah the source right. And, and the woman is, with the alabaster jar is going um, really, I think, in just utter gratitude for what's already been done for her. Mm-hmm. She can't help, I mean, she can't help but weep at his feet and, and wash his feet with her tears, with her hair, and then, and then anoint with this alabaster jar. I mean, she's just, it's just pouring out of her, right? And then this woman who knows all she needs to do. So, yeah, I've just been sitting, I guess, with curiosity and wonder about these women who were in pain, recognized they had a need, went to Jesus, knowing he was the source of healing. It's so, it's so touching to me. And, and then there's transformation. Yeah. Well, well they know he's the source. They know he's the source, yeah. yeah. Well, the, and it's interesting too, the woman who was hemorrhaging, she had spent all her money on everything. Like she had tried everything. And so 
you know, you don't know if it's like she knew all along Jesus was was the source, or she was like, I'm out of all options. Let's try this guy called Jesus. Right. You know, let me let me go try this out. Um, but whatever it is, I think there is something powerful about knowing that you have a need and going to the source. And I think part of the reason why I, I find it curious is I'm not someone that's always good about knowing what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these scriptures really challenge me to uh, know what I need and, and know the source and go there. Go straight there. Go straight there. And, you know, something as you were, as you were talking at, you know, Jesus, after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus tells Peter, um, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And, and it's hard not to wonder about what, what Jesus may have said to these women mm-hmm. for whom flesh and blood did not reveal to them that he was the source. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 could, they could feel it. Right. And, and they went to the source. And in that miraculous healing of the hemorrhaging woman where, as you noted, she was healed instantly. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus goes over and tells her she's been healed. Mm -hmm. And so you have this strange dynamic where he, where she's healed instantly. And And she knows it. And she knows it. She feels it. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus names it and tells her why. Yeah. You know, you came to the source of power and what drew you to the source and what healed you is what was moving from within. It was the faith. And so the faith, the gift of faith through the Spirit moved her to Jesus, mm-hmm. to the source. Yeah. But isn't it so, it's so moving when you really sit with it. Mm. Um, Jesus, any prophet, um, could so easily just have allowed the person to go, yeah, I healed you. I mean, the power left me. It went into you. It was all my power. And and he turns it, you know, he says, your faith has saved you. Right. I mean, he's really naming her agency in, in part of the healing. Um, and and maybe naming the shared agency between them. That's what I mean. Actually, yeah. that's that's much better put. So, so the power within her mm-hmm. draws her to the power, kind of like a magnet. Right. And and so it really blows open wide our sense of what faith is. Mm-hmm. And so faith really becomes my letting be the power of God within to go to its source. Yes. And don't you think you mentioned spiritual practice in Lifecraft um, when you were sharing about yours and, and we just released an episode about Lifecraft and spiritual practice. 
And don't you think that that um, repetitious way of, of turning our hearts to God over and over and over again daily in a very um, reliable, predictable way does then open us to, to the source? Oh, I think so. And, and sort of freeze freeze the power of God within us mm-hmm. to go to the source of, of the real power. Right. And so, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about prayer as this kind of God speaking to God within us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think really recognizing that Faith as a gift that that we are given, it is sort of the uh, the seed of life within us that 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 needs to be watered, needs needs life and light, needs the 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 soil of our hearts to be cultivated so that it can grow. That's where spiritual practices come in, and. And, and that growth, that power, that, that gift of faith, it's, it's reaching out mm. to the source. You know, there, you think of how trees grow toward the sun and, you know, some, you know, when they only, the sun only hits them in a certain direction, they lean toward it and it's often amusing. We're the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we, when when we're not tapping that source of life within it's it's often because it's layered over yeah either by a lack of spiritual practice a lack of awareness a lack of attention and and we when we give it just a little light mm-hmm. oh it just starts to break forth and we just we want to give it more attention episode of Becoming Fully Alive, and we invite you to join us in person for conversations just like these any Sunday morning at 9.15 a.m. here in Church of the Ascension. You are also welcome to join us for worship at 8 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. And don't forget today, Sunday, October the 2nd at 3 p.m., Join us for our Blessing of the Animals service here in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee. Then later on in the evening, uh, Spiritus Knox will have its monthly book study. We're studying the second half of Braiding Sweetgrass. So if you've read a little bit or the whole book, please plan to join us from 5 to 6.30 p.m. at Church of the Ascension. And if you're thinking ahead to the next Sunday, Sunday, October 9th, join us at Lakeshore Park for 5 to 6 p.m. for Breathing Under the Oak Trees.